Hi, this is Gary Meese, and this is episode 9 of The Case Against. I'm going to talk today about uh, something that's often glossed over in coverage of uh, the case, the West Memphis 3 case, and that's... Uh, violent history of Damien Eccles, which is not to say that there's not some violent history connected to uh, Jason Baldwin, though admittedly much less, and there's a lot of violent history connected to uh, Jesse Miskelly, who was really notorious for getting into fights, beating up on smaller children beating up on little girls, uh, but we're going to talk today about a chapter from Blood on Black, which is one of my books on the, the case, uh, the other, that's volume one of a two-volume set, the other volume is uh, Where the Monsters Go. I condensed those books down to uh, a, a third volume, which is less expensive roughly half the size. I mean, it's basically a 50% reduction of the two books. Um, obviously cut out quite a bit of stuff and radically shrunk, uh, shrunk and streamlined the, the narrative. Uh, and arguably it's probably an easier read uh, than the two larger books larger and more expensive books but uh, it's not as inherently it's not as complete uh, incompleteness was my original intention with with those books kind of got carried away I really didn't intend to write two books but I did but that's what I had at the end so uh, so there they are uh, the chapters called Damien admits to a history of violence and like my chapter titles and the first two books, uh, it's, it's a direct quote from the, the records. I believe that was one of Damien's psychiatric workers. Anyway, uh, here we go. Briefly, let me tell you, the, the case involved, the, this, is, this is an examination, a continuing examination of the case against the West Memphis Three, as they're commonly known, who are Damien Eccles, Jesse Miskelly and Jason Baldwin. They were convicted of killing three eight-year-old boys, Michael Moore, Stevie Branch, and Christopher Byers in West Memphis, Arkansas on May 5, 1993. The boys were uh, came up missing uh, that evening. Their bodies were found uh, left in a, a muddy ditch in some woods close to their homes homes uh, the next day the next afternoon uh, that was on May 5th they were the three men were arrested on they were all teenagers uh, they were arrested on June 3rd 1993 uh, after Miss Gelly confessed to the crimes Eccles had already been a prime suspect in the case 
based on being sighted near the scene, uh, his own very sketchy, suspicious statements to police, exhibiting special knowledge of the case. Um, and there were some other circumstances, including a friend of his who'd come forward and said that the Eccles had confessed to him. There's some other confession stories that came out after the fact uh, concerning uh, both Eccles and Baldwin. But uh, we're going to uh, talk today about his, what we know about based on the records, the court, the court records, police records, in some cases psychiatric records. Damien Eccles in particular. Um, I'll say that uh, I was looking through the uh, the Devil's Notebook by Marl Everett, which also covered this case in quite a bit of detail. And it's always amazing to me how little overlap there is between what I wrote about and what she wrote about. Her case is what she presents is often based on uh, peripheral matters, uh, not really relating to the suspects, but relating to her particular theory of the crime, which is that John Mark Byers. It's obvious she thought John Mark Byers was the killer. She doesn't come out and say that explicitly. But it's telling that she spends, has almost as many references to uh, John Mark Byers' divorce, which, has, which had literally nothing to do with this crime. I mean, he was not getting a divorce at the time. He'd been married to uh, Melissa Byers for quite some time. Uh, and uh, almost as many references to that as to, you know, Damien Echols' psychiatric records, for instance. I mean, she mentions it, but only in the, the mentions those records because it's kind of hard. If you really cover the case, it's so huge that it's hard not to at least acknowledge that they exist. Though there are many parts of the case that she simply doesn't acknowledge that even exist. That even exist. I can cite many prime characters such as Kenneth Watkins, who doesn't even appear. Who was with the. Uh, Eccles on the day of the killings, etc. I'm not suggesting he was involved, but he was he was a prime witness witness potential witness at trial for uh, against Eccles potentially since he was one, the one of the ones that Eccles later uh, he later said that Eccles had confessed to him, but just the whereabouts of Baldwin and so forth uh, that evening. Uh, Watkins had made several contradictory statements that he later corrected under further uh, questioning, and he had uh, he was one of the three teens who originally probably would have been prosecution witnesses and very good telling prosecution witnesses who uh, backed out of testifying after a visit from defense investigator Ron Lax. Apparently had a very effective style of scaring these kids off having anything to do with the case. 
And I'm not suggesting Lacks intimidated them. I think he threw a scare of the police and the prosecution into them. Justified or not, I, probably not. But uh, that—that's—that is what the record suggests, and that's—that's that's where I—I—I—that I, is what I see there is, and I think. John Fogelman, who was the assistant prosecutor, probably saw it this, apparently saw it this way too, is what looked like the, the defense investigation was actually interfering with the prosecution case. It wasn't just gathering information. It was, I won't say they were intimidating witnesses, but they were scaring the hell out of these kids with what could happen if they got involved. Well, guess what? It's a different kind of intimidation, but it was intimidation. Anyway, Marl Everett simply doesn't mention things like that, and she barely she skims over Damien's uh, uh, history of violence, drinking blood, psychiatric records, and I'm not saying that all that's not in there, but it's often minimized, dismissed, glossed over, quickly moved on, and a lot of it involves you know instead of quoting you know echoes directly it's it's uh you know third-hand attributions which just make you know a social worker said damien said blah 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 that make it sound as if you know it distances distances uh echoes from what he actually said and throws you know further questions into it is the veracity of the reports even though the reports are over uh you know three different mental three different uh, trips to mental hospitals, the reports became fairly consistent that this was a violent, uh, impulsive, troubled kid, teenager, with an obsession with things like drinking blood, with the occult, with, with gaining power through various occult means. And, uh, I'm going to suggest that there's a good for those who subscribe to the theory that the that the the crime had at least somewhat of an occult basis, even if it was just a lurking idea back in the back of and lurking is a good good word to use in term, in term when talking of Eccles, this idea of lurking in the back of Damien's head that this was a means of gaining power. I think it was more explicit than that, and it was more conscious than that. But the idea was certainly there uh, if it wasn't. And there's no way to actually prove what was in Eccles' mind that day, and there's no concrete, absolute pr proof evidence that this was an occult, that this was an occult crime. Uh, Jesse Miskelly's confessions don't particularly give the impression that there was an occult basis for that, but that is his impressions reading those you would think it was three drunken teens who decided to be went went to West Memphis decided to beat up some kids and got carried away with it and uh, that's a, a, a valid that's a valid theory of the crime that, that I think fits the known facts is there another layer there with an occult motivation I think there is in fact that I find it hard to believe that uh, I find it hard to conclude anything include otherwise but People are free to disagree on that. However, there's not much question that Eccles 
in particular had a history of violence as well as Miskelly. And we're, that's what I'm going to read from the book today. Uh, the central figure in the investigation, prosecution, incarceration, and release of the West Memphis Three was the flamboyant and problematic Damien Eccles, whose boyhood ambition to become a world-class occultist put him out of step with his peers in the Arkansas Delta. You think? Quickly pegged as a likely suspect in the murders from multiple sources, including his own all-too-knowing initial interviews with police, Eccles seemed to have adopted his black-clad, figure-of-the-night persona as a defense against often rough circumstances. Becoming a self-proclaimed witch and part-time vampire made sense to a mentally ill misfit who could turn his outsider status into a means of drawing attention to himself. Intrinsic to this dark image was the creation of the impression that he was capable of great and weird violence. For those who knew him, it was not surprising that he fulfilled his self-created legend as a dreaded monster. He worked hard at becoming the terror of the town. On the road to infamy, he built up a history of violence that gave credence to an ability to torture and kill. According to his discharge summary from Charter Hospital of Little Rock in June 1992, this is uh, a year before he uh, was arrested, year before the crime. Charter Hospital was a mental hospital that he was directed to uh, that year after a series of things that went on in his personal life that we've gotten into many times, including a breakup with a girlfriend, his mother's marriage to his stepfather breaking up, a whole lot of family disruption. Anyway, according to the discharge summary, supposedly Damien chased a younger child with an axe and attempted to set a house on fire. He denied this behavior. He reported that his girlfriend's family reported this so that they could get him in trouble. As an aside, his girl, the girlfriend he speaks of was Deanna Holcomb. Her family was greatly at odds with Eccles. They did not want their daughter dating this weird kid. And, uh, and there was a lot of violence threatened against them by Eccles. We'll get into that. Uh, point out that uh, often with psychopathic killers, there's what's referred to as the dark triad, which is uh, bedwetting, setting fires, and torturing animals. We we know from the record that Eccles easily fulfilled the requirements for the setting fires and for torturing animals. The only thing we really don't know about, I'm just not aware of anything on the record that suggests that he wet the bed. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but you know, just 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 for the record just for the record, <laughs> there is nothing on the record as far as I know about bedwetting. If anybody knows one way or the other about that. Uh, I would appreciate, you know, being pointed to a source on that. Anyway, back to this, back to this discharge summary. 
He was also accused of beating a peer up at school. Damien admits to a history of violence. He said prior to admission he did attempt to enucleate a peer's eye at school. He was suspended subsequently from school. This was an attack on uh, that kid's name. <laughs> I know that kid's name. Uh, Damien, Deanna's uh, gotten, a, gotten a new boyfriend and uh, he had uh, Eccles had attacked him in, in the school hallway and Eccles had grown his fingernails out to inch and a half and filed them to points and he what he was trying to do was claw uh, this kid's eyes out gosh I, I'm just drawing a blank on the name I know I know I, I've, I've referred to that name hundreds of times I just for some reason I'm drawing a total blank on it but anyway uh and uh, Eccles uh, <clears throat> got into trouble at school for that. Obviously, he was suspended. And we're going to talk more about this. Goes on to say he was suspended. He, uh, he also had threatened uh, this boy's uh, one of the boys' uncle. It was uncle who was a teenager, also at the school. He threatened threatened the boy's uncle. Who somehow was involved in this, and you know he he'd made numerous threats to all sorts of people around this breakup with Deanna Holcomb. Anyway, like back to the report. He was suspended on seven different occasions during the school year. He was related. He was suspended on one occasion because he set a fire in a science classroom, yet another fire, by the way, and also would walk off on campus on several occasions. He was disruptive to the school environment. He was also disrespectful to teachers. He has been accused of terroristic threatening, unquote. Eccles had gotten into trouble in one instance for spitting on a teacher. Much of this history of violence came from Eccles himself. His teenage acquaintances told grisly stories about Eccles' casual cruelty. Joe Houston Bartouche, Jason Baldwin's cousin, who hardly sounds like a prime witness for the prosecution. Uh, Joe Bartouche was, was at home, apparently, or they, was with his father anyway, in the company of his father when his father was being interviewed about uh, Jason Baldwin being over at his uncle Hubert's house cutting grass on the late afternoon of May 5th, 1993, and Joe Bartouche volunteers this story about Damien Eccles. I'll read on. Joe Houston Bartouche, Jason Baldwin's cousin, offered another insight into Eccles' violent character. A portion of Baldwin's alibi centered on the fact that he had cut the lawn of his great-uncle Hubert Bartouche, Joe's father, on May 5th, uh, May 5th, 1993. By the way, the kid that... Just, <laughs> it's funny how this works. The kid that uh, Eccles attacked at school, his name was Shane Divilbiss. Just, I, it's, it, the name was in there. It just came popping up. Anyway, on 
back back to this. On June 14, 1993, Detective Brian Ridge was interviewing Hubert when Joe Bartouche volunteered a statement. Joe, in his early teens, said he and Eccles had been walking down the road west out of Lakeshore, Lakeshore being the trailer park where Deanna, and, uh, not Deanna, but uh, Dominique Tear was Eccles' pregnant girlfriend, and uh, Jason Baldwin lived. Uh, into a field when they came upon a sick dog. Eccles grabbed a brick and began attacking the dog. Joe told Ridge on May on uh, 10-27-92, I was at Lakeshore Trailer Park with Damien Eccles when he killed a black Great Dane. The dog was already sick and he hit the dog in the back of the head. He pulled the intestines out of the dog and started stomping the dog until blood came out of his mouth. He was going to come back later with battery acid so that he could burn the hair and skin off of the dog's head. He had two cat skulls, a dog skull, and a rat skull that I already knew about. He kept those skulls in his bedroom at Jack Eccles' house in Lakeshore. Jack Eccles being his uh, stepfather who was re would have been getting a divorce, uh, recently divorced from uh, uh, Eccles' mother at that point. Um, he was trying to make the eyeballs of the dog he killed pop out when he was stomping. Eccles, Damien had a camouflage survival knife, knife to cut the gut of, out of the dog with. Unquote. Joe was sure of the date of the dog killing because he had skipped school that day and had been caught. Joe said Eccles had used the survival knife to carve his name into his arm on another occasion. A similar survival knife, maybe the same one, re recovered behind the Baldwin home, known as the Lake Knife, was because it was found in a, the lake uh, at Lakeshore, was high, a highly publicized piece of prosecutorial evidence. His former girlfriend also described Eccles having a similar knife, and Eccles, that was Deanna Holcomb that did that, and Eccles testified that he had owned, quote, un, a bunch, unquote, of Rambo-style camouflage survival knives. Heather Clyatt, Baldwin's girlfriend, told investigators of similar an, animal cruelty. Uh, states that at one time at the skating rink, Damien told her that he stuck a stick in a dog's eye and jumped on it and then burned it. And let me say that Heather Clyatt is uh, friendly to the West Memphis Three. Then Baldwin's girlfriend and has been a friendly was been served as a friendly witness since. Not a very good witness, but a friendly one. So this is hardly someone who is antagonistic as such to Damien Eccles. Just as Joe Bartouche had no obvious reason to be telling this story about Damien Eccles, but he did, other than it was true. Why would he just make something up of, of that character? It doesn't, I mean, I, obviously we, we don't know much about the character of Joe Bartouche, but it doesn't seem like a story that somebody just makes up out of nowhere about somebody had a lot of detail to it black great dane not just a dog
Timothy Blaine Hodge, a 14-year-old ninth grader at Marion who lived in Lakeshore, had known Baldwin for some time, but only knew Eccles since his return from Oregon. Now, Eccles had, the summer of 92, Eccles had gone to Oregon and stayed there briefly with his parents. He got into a violent, uh, violent altercation in terms of threats, anyway, and I go into this in another chapter with uh, uh, where that ended up with him being going along with the, the police were called on him. The police came and he agreed to go to a mental hospital there. And after that, he was sent home because his parents, his mother had gotten back with his father, uh, Joe Hutchison. Uh, his parents did not want him in the home. They they were threatened. They were scared of him, and they they were afraid that he would harm a younger child or younger children who were there. According to, Tim, according to Timothy Blaine Hodge, I've heard Jason say that Damien was in the crazy house in Oregon. Damien and Jason were always together. They spent a lot of time in West Memphis at Walmart. They stole a lot of stuff. I always seen just Jason and Damien and Dominique together walking around Lakeshore. Well, there was a great big Great, there was a big black Great Dane dog at Lakeshore that I was on the trail over the bridge to the right as you go over the bridge. It was dead. Its intestines was strung out of his butt. A boy named Adam told me he heard Damien did it. Unquote. Chris Luttrell, a neighbor of the Eccles family, and a Wiccan, told the police that Eccles liked to stick sharpened sticks through frogs to see how long it took them to die. He said Eccles claimed that he had burned down his father's garage and then stood in the flames chanting. That's at least three instances of a supposed fire setting that we're told about here and uh, yet another example of animal torture. Eccles told Murray Ferris, another teen who was a Wiccan, that he once poured gasoline over his own foot and set it aflame. More fire setting. Um, Murray Ferris and Chris Luttrell were both um, involved in a witch cult, a little improvised witch cult called the Covenant. Sometimes it's the, usually called the Covenant of the Divine Light. Uh, that they had set up and they were using uh, Buckland's book on witchcraft as a guide to what they were doing but they'd thrown in some uh, Christian elements and some other things into it based on their own statements uh, uh, the idea that the, you know that, that there was there were no witch cults operating in Crittenden County and this was something made up by the prosecution is patently false. Um, I'm not suggesting that Luttrell and Ferris were up to anything particularly nefarious. Uh, I think they were. They what they they seem to be two fairly intelligent teens, curious teens who were dabbling around in something, uh, perhaps with some legitimate uh, were 
legitimate, though arguably misplaced, spiritual aspirations. And uh, Eccles was not, he was, he knew them. He had, there were obviously some interactions with them based on other statements. Um, he did things with them, but they didn't embrace him. He, they didn't consider him to be part of their little witchcraft group. And uh, he himself said that he wasn't a member of this group. So, to explain those, it, it, the, the relationship's a little complicated, as, it, as is often the case. Anyway, but the, my main point is is the idea that there were there were no witchcraft groups operating in uh, Frittenden County, and that the police just made this up as just simply not true. And the record reflects that. And I, I don't believe I don't believe that those two are mentioned in uh, Devil's Knot at all. I could look it up, but I'm not going to right now. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've looked for them before. This, it's one of those things that's just simply not there. And if I'm wrong, I'll, she commits enough other er, gr grievous errors of omission and misdirection that I don't feel a, a deep apologies needed if I misstated some, some fact about the book. But I think I'm correct about that. Anyway, um, reports of Echoes planning to sacrifice his own child in a ritual were persistent. Well, let me just say he did not have a child at that point, but apparently he and Deanna had been talking about a child, and I think, believe I'm going to get into this at some point in the, this chapter, but um, the idea was that there was going to be a sacrifice if a baby came about. Luttrell told police that Eccles did not intend to kill the baby that Domini was expecting. <coughs> Excuse me. As the child would entitle him to a larger government check. The story about the ritual sacrifice, supposed planned ritual sacrifice, surfaced after Eccles was arrested with Deanna Holcomb as they attempted to run away. Uh, this was back in May of 1992, just prior to his admission to charter. Jerry Driver, the juvenile char officer in charge of the Eccles case, mentioned the baby sacrifice rumor on June 1, 1992 in a phone message to Charter Hospital, where Eccles was taken for his first hospitalization for mental illness. The message read, Court ordered to Mid-South Hospital, suicidal, self-mutilating, made pact, Girlfriend and devil to sacrifice firstborn. A psychiatric, unquote, a psychiatric evaluation at Charter dated June 2nd, 1992 stated, quote, there was a conversation that concerned staff at the detention center. Reportedly, Damien and his girlfriend were going to have a baby and then sacrifice the child. Damien denies this type of behavior, unquote. It'd be nice to know where, where 
this statement actually originated, but um, you, you have to think that something, Eccles said something to somebody and, and somehow it got either got, either he said it directly to the staff or it got back to the staff. Or Deanna said something to somebody and somehow got to him. But you know, uh, it's not that again. This doesn't sound like a story that somebody would just make up out of the blue. Um, and it, it's a persistent story. We'll go on with this. Um, the dis discharge summary on June 25th repeated that information as did the discharge summary on June, September 28th after his second trip to Charter. To be clear, he went to Charter uh, in June, June 1992, and then he was discharged after several weeks, went to Oregon, got to this altercation with his family, went to St. Vincent's in Portland, where he stayed, I believe, uh, he, uh, he stayed two nights and then was sent on a bus home to Arkansas where he promptly, because he was seen, he was uh, sucking blood out of a, another kid's arm at a detention center. When he was put in the detention center for violating his probation, uh, he was sent off to Charter again where he spent another couple of weeks there. So his second trip to Charter uh, was in September. Uh, the September 28th discharge summary also noted that Eccles had been on probation for threatening his girlfriend's parents and for a charge of second-degree sexual misconduct stemming from having sex with his underage girlfriend. Uh, driver's dealings with Eccles dated from that arrest on May 19, 1992, when Damien and Deanna were found partially clothed in an abandoned trailer at Lakeshore. In a series of contacts with law enforcement over the next year, Eccles described a network of occultists active in Crittenden County. As is the case, as is is the case throughout the record, the prime source of the prime original source most of these stories of occult activity, satanic activity, etc., etc., is Damien Eccles. He's feeding Jerry Driver all these stories, and if they were, if, if it was all bull, then that's fine. But uh, he was the he was the source. And there, were, there was enough corroborating evidence, as far as Driver was concerned, for Driver to be legitimately concerned that uh, some, some kids were going to be up to no good in, uh, in, in, in occult terms in Crittenden County. And then part of Driver's job was to keep an eye on such things as a juvenile detention officer. Now... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, after uh, after the murders, one of the first there was some talk 
not at a, not at a really high level, public level, not in the media, but you know, among people on the crime scene. I'm sure it was rumored that there were occult rituals going on in those woods, and apparently something. There have been some strange reports from there, so it's understandable if people saw strange things that they would that they didn't understand. They would be concerned about it when three boy, boys turn up dead under very odd circumstances, very troubling, weird, disgusting circumstances in those woods. Um, but one of the earliest mentions of Satanists being involved in, in, the, in the crimes came from, guess who, Damien Eccles. After uh, Damien's arrest, he, uh, in 92, <coughs> he consented to have his home searched, and Eccles had confiscated, confiscated uh, his notebook full of somber and morbid poetry and artwork from his bedroom, full of demonic and occult images. Driver believed a drawing of four tombstones with a baby's foot and a rattle under a full moon indicated Eccles' plan to sacrifice his own child. As yet another aside, <laughs> uh, the killings uh, in West Memphis were committed um, on the eve on the eve evening of a waxing full moon. Moon rose a little bit before 8 p.m. Right after sunset, and. Um, It was yet another reason. It was very close to Beltane. And it was yet another reason to think there might be some occult connections to the crime. Deanna told West Memphis Police on May 11th, 1993, well before the arrest, quote, I found out that he planned to kill our firstborn if it was a girl. Damien would not do it. He is a coward and would have tried to get me to do it. That's when I knew... He was nuts, and I had nothing else to do with him. Be nice to know. Uh, I will say it'd be nice to know how she found this out. If, if uh, uh, you know, it'd been described as a pact before. It wouldn't be a pact if she was not aware of it. And this was something that Eccles had come up with on his own and not told her about, which to me seems more likely. And. Uh, be nice to know where what the source of her information was. I have, I have, I I would say I have attempted to contact her. As far as I'm concerned, I've contacted her, but I've gotten no response back. Uh, she's uh, not that hard to find, honestly. But um, but she has a different last name, and she's maintained a very low media profile ever since the ever since her testimony in the, the trial uh, say very low a non-existent media profile she had a Facebook page for a while that had a lot of uh, I'm not sure if Wicca, Wiccan images would be correct but uh, fairy faith I think is probably a more correct description of what she she was talking about 
Um, and I hope I'm not mischaracterizing it. I didn't do a screenshot and it's been a while. It's, it's no longer existent and anyway, um, but it was definitely alternative religion that she was pagan type of religion that she was interested just, you know, eight or ten, eight, ten years ago. I don't know. I don't know what she's done since. I don't know what her history is, obviously, in terms of any of that. But uh, at the time that the arrest occurred, she was going to church. In fact, she uh, she uh, was at a church revival, or maybe just a regular church service, come to think of it, at, uh, I believe, the Southern Baptist Church on the evening, Wednesday evening, which is when a lot of Southern Baptist Baptists have services. Um, the evening that the, the boys were killed. Okay. Stories about Eccles drinking blood were similarly persistent and pervasive. The West Memphis Evening Times ran a story quoting an anonymous girl who said she had seen Eccles drink the blood of Baldwin and Dominey. The same story quoted a Lakeshore resident who said that dogs had come up missing in the trailer park. Schoolmates often asked Eccles if he drank blood and he didn't deny the practice. <coughs> Obviously an unnamed an unnamed source and uh, dogs missing from a trailer park and Eccles not denying drinking blood are, are, hard, are hardly in, in and of themselves uh, the basis for some sort of guilty verdict for murder, but you know, it built this is part of the totality of the picture. Excuse me a second. Okay, uh, I'm back. Um, The September 28th discharge summary from Charter noted that while at the detention center, he reportedly grabbed a peer and began, quote, drink, drink, sucking blood from the peer's neck. It's not sure who he's, we're quoting there, but that's in, in the quote from the discharge summary. According to Damien, he relates that the peer was aware that he was going to do this. Staff reports that Damien was not remorseful for his behavior. Damien indicated that he sucked blood in order to get into a gang. He denies it was any type of ritual. Damien laughed when he was called a blood-sucking vampire. He relates he, that he does not know why people think this. Unquote. <laughs> and I guess Eccles is kind of clueless. If you want to believe that. Of course he, he knows why people think this. This is exactly what he wants them to think. But he likes to play games. Like his his hero, Alistair Crowley, who liked to play who was a trickster figure, who liked to throw out hints about horrible things he'd done. When in fact, you know, did he act was he a horrible human being? Yeah. Did he ever actually murder somebody? Mm, not clear that he ever did 
Did he contribute to some people's deaths, but through his own actions and neglect? Yeah, almost certainly so. But you can't be con you can't be convicted on that basis. And in fact, most of the people, with the exception of his own children, had had agency and they made choices, bad choices in regard to hanging out with Aleister Crowley, just as Jason Baldwin made a bad choice hanging out with Damien Eccles. But it was not a mistake that Jason Baldwin and Damien Eccles were friends. They were two of a kind. They seem to be very different, but they're not so different. Um, there's a at core, there's a heartlessness to both of them, and there's a cruelty to both of them, and it's evident in the record. Eccles just displays it, while Baldwin obscures it for his own nefarious purposes. And I don't mind using nefarious in, term, in, in regard to Baldwin, even though he, he projects this image of goofiness and innocence. And you know, and he just loves furry little animals. But the furthest thing from it, he's a, he's a prime user and abuser who uh, thinks nothing of fleecing people on Kickstarter by promising a book. Just send me money, I'll write a book, and then never writing the book, never offering a public apology or explanation. And of course, he's never challenged on it in any media interviews. But number one, they don't know about it, and two, they choose not to care they would choose not to care if they did because you know he's a poor little victim anyway um, after an office visit on June 25th 1993 his therapist noted that Eccles believed he obtained power by drinking the blood of others that the practice made him feel godlike at trial John Fogelman asked Dr. James Moneypenny of psychologist from Little Rock testifying for the defense quote in your business, is it not unusual to find people telling you about drinking blood and that they do it to make them feel like a god? It's highly unusual, said Dr. Moneypenny. It's what? It's not usual at all, said the psychologist. It is very atypical. I think that represents some of the extremes of his thinking and beliefs and what it has come to for him. Unquote. Driver found that Eccles was not the only blood drinker in his circle of friends. Driver had transported Dominique to Charter Hospital after she broke probation on a shoplifting charge. Quote, She discussed with me the blood drinking and said, Why should I not drink blood? Because my mother drinks blood. And I thought, now, that's a strange thing to say. Unquote. Domini, consistently dismissive of the most damaging evidence, denied making this statement. You know, I've talked to her, and, and uh, I think I asked her about this, and she, you know, outright dismissed it. It's just it wasn't true. Okay. Anyway, while there is little. To suggest that Baldwin was an avid blood drinker, testimony from a fellow detainee at Craighead County Juvenile Detention Facility
centered on a gory confession made to Michael Carson. Carson, a 16-year-old admitted drug user, testified at, at trial. I said, just between me and you, did you do it? I won't say a word. He said yes, and he went into detail about it. He told me how he dismembered the kids, or I don't know exactly how many kids. He just said he dismembered them. He sucked the blood from the penis and scrotum and put the balls in his mouth. That's unquote. That's He's talking about Baldwin here, not Eccles, of course. Carson stood by his testimony when reports surfaced in 2000 that he had committed perjury. Carson said he didn't cut a deal in exchange for the testimony. He had passed the polygraph twice before testifying. Um, Carson appears in West of Memphis and there says he was on drugs at the time and apologizes for uh, to Baldwin for testifying. Let me say that this is a, a film. It's an edited interview. Who knows the full context of what he said. We're not treated to that. We won't be treated to that. I'm sure I have no doubt about that. And um, but people have gotten the impression that he has retracted his his statement on, on the stand, and he did no such thing. He never said it didn't occur. That Baldwin never said this to him or whatever. There's a difference, and you know you can. It would have made Carson's testimony in a subsequent any subsequent retrial very problematic, but because would, he would have had to answer why he was apologizing to Baldwin, and we don't know what the what his answer is other than something maybe something to do with the fact that he was messed up on drugs but you know the kid was supposedly an LSD user and frankly LSD is not addictive uh, in any usual sense of the term uh, it can have profound effects on people and it can it can precipitate uh, psychological problems but there's no evidence on the st that Carson on the stand is spaced out, unable to answer any questions. Uh, uh, he seems very articulate and sure of himself on the stand and uh, really sort of gives the lie that he didn't know what he was doing because he, for whatever, you know, however much a 16 or 17-year-old can know of themselves, at the, at, you know, know of themselves and their motives and so forth. And that's not the most insightful of ages, but some kids are more insightful than others. Understood, agree, I agree. Uh, he seemed to have a good idea of what he was doing. And uh, I certainly didn't get the impression of a drugged out, strung out kid. And he did pass two polygraph tests. Let me point out, because it's glossed, uh, either it's often not mentioned in the records, but Eccles failed his polygraph test. Miss Kelly failed his polygraph test. Baldwin refused to cooperate with the authorities in any capacity whatsoever, which is his legal right, but it, it's also an action that didn't allay police suspicions that he was involved in the case. All these other people talked, you know, there's a long list of people that talked to the police. 
who weren't dragged into the case in any 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 capacity beyond being talked to by the police. Chris Luttrell and Murray Ferris were both talked to by the police. They had an alibi. They were weirdly they were at church on that that night uh, at a youth night uh, the same the same evening that the, the Stevie Michael and Chris were killed and. Uh, so, you know, two other witches, as a witch hunt, as I've said elsewhere, as a witch hunt, when it was kind of a bust, because the witches that they, they didn't do a huge dragnet and pull in every possible person who was identified as being, by any means, being identified as being involved in these witch cults. And the ones they did pull in, they let them, they gave, the ones that had alibis, they were gone immediately, and there was never a suggestion they were anything more than they were not suspects. They were just persons who might have some, maybe, perhaps have some knowledge of what was what this was about, because it was a perplexing case. Anyway, Christy Jones, a friend of Miss Kelly's who had attended school with Damien, told police on October 1st, 1993, about Damien. I saw him cut his arm with something, and he sucked the blood out of the wound. I had heard that Damien was weird and part of a satanic cult. Unquote. The evidence of his cruelty to animals continues to dog Eccles. I wrote this some. This is written for some years ago. But anyway, when such talk surfaced on Twitter in 2013, Eccles referred to the many stories, quote, as, an, as quote, animal lies, unquote, and suggested that, if the stories were true, they would have showed up in the court record. After all, Damien's dad, Joe Hutchinson, had told the Paradise Lost documentary filmmakers, this boy is not capable of the crime that he's been arrested for. I've seen him take a little kitten and love it just like you love a little baby. Considering that Eccles intended to sacrifice his own little baby, Hutchinson's statement held a certain ironic truth. Documentary filmmakers have made no mention of Damien's history of torturing animals, drinking blood, and planning human and animal sacrifices. And that's that on that. And that'll be it for today. I've done more than my share of extemporaneous asides today and hopefully haven't tried to keep... You know, I, I do preparation like some sort of opera singer so I don't launch into a, a coughing spell. I just, I have a tickly throat, and when it gets tickly, I cough. And I'm not even offering an excuse, just an explanation. And I try, I'm trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, with that said, I think I'm through for the day. Uh, I should be back in a week or so. I hope you all have a, uh, a wonderful February, an another wonderful week in February. I'll see you then. Bye. I'll talk to you then. I'm not going to be seeing you at all. But I'll talk to you then. Bye.